Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Matt Ellison is the pastor of Hope Sound Bible Church in Hope Sound, Florida. In 2017, he preached this stirring message titled, Standing in the Gap. Good morning. Good to see you all. Well, most of you. Um, these, these times when you can't see the crowds very disconnecting for a speaker, but I think they have the lights as about as high as they can go. You can see me, I can't see you, so if I look like I'm gazing into the space, I am. And uh, so you bear with us, we'll do our very best to, to connect with you. The Lord has laid a truth on my heart for this morning that uh, maybe a more serious truth, but yet it's coming, I want you to know, from a, a heart that is is burdened and concerned for you, for us, and for the cause of Christ. I would like to preface this by saying that throughout this time, there may be something that is said that you just might not agree with. That's fine. I've sat in the pew many different times and and listened to a preacher and thought, wow, that was a great message, but I didn't agree with that. That doesn't mean we can't get something good from what is being said. Amen? Amen. And so my, my request is, if there is something that is said that you may not just agree with, tuck it away and do not allow that to interfere with what I really believe the heart of the message is. And I hope that you can catch it because really I believe it's the heart of God. Recently, when I say recently, uh, for a second time, I started reading through a book entitled The Last Christian Generation written by Dr. David Jeremiah. Now, understand the book is written from the perspective from from a higher educated man than I am for sure, and and his great big umbrella of what Christianity is. And he is writing a book, and as I'm reading this, my heart is crying out, my heart is breaking, because my thought is this, if here is a man who on the broad scene of things of the broad umbrella of Christianity saying that this is the last Christian generation. Oh, God, help us as we begin to narrow that down into the conservative holiness movement. And I want you to say, I want you to know this morning that it is the cry of my heart that that book not be true. It's the cry of my heart that, that as we read that, it's a challenge. As I was read it, it's been a challenge to me, and hopefully this morning, that this would not be a, a doomsday kind of thought, but a challenge to us to say, God being my helper, I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be a lady, I'm going to be one who carries the message and carries the gospel and holds the standard high that is, is going to carry on for future generations. It starts right here in this crowd as we look across this crowd we we sit here in a Christian environment at IHC haven't you enjoyed IHC this year I've loved it but we sit here in a Christian environment doing Christian things 
I don't know most of you, but I would, I would say that a majority, majority of you have grown up in a Christian environment. Many of you would probably go to a good church. Many of you have some great Christian friends and a part of a good youth group. We're glad that you're here. And we probably would have to admit, even though it might be scary, that we have gotten to a place where we know how to do all things Christian. We know how to do Christian things. We know how to raise a hand. We know how to say amen. We know how to look the part. We know how to say the right things and do the right things at the right time in the presence of the right people. Really, we've learned how to do Christianity, but the fear that I have, it's a dangerous place when we can learn how to do Christian things without being Christian at the core. Now, I understand that this, is, this, this sounds negative, but, but bear with me, it's not negative at all. It is a heartbeat of mine that we, we not just know how to raise a hand and we just don't know how to do, but God would help us to be Christian down to the very heart of our being. I am a Christian through and through when I'm alone, when I'm with friends, when I'm at church. I'm a Christian, period. What we need to see today is a new generation embrace Christianity. Not stand off with it, but embrace it. Understand, I'm not here to chew on you and to chew you out. That's not what I'm saying. If I were speaking to the old folk this morning, I'd be saying the same thing. We need to embrace the holy way. I'd be preaching the same thing, but I'm preaching to you a group of people that I love. These people up here love. You are, as it's been mentioned, you are the church of today, the church of beyond. I'm excited. I was thrilled sitting in the seats uh, in the main sanctuary when we began to see young people standing up behind the pulpit and, and opening the services in prayer and taking the offering. To me, that's exciting. We tell you again and again and again, you're the church of the day, and then we just ask you to sit there. I love it. I love it when, when we're seeing you be the church of today. I'm investing my entire life in ministry because I believe in this way. And I'm here to say that we need you. We need you. The conservative holiness movement is at a, at a very serious crossroads. We are. You may not see it, but we are at a very serious crossroads. The conservative holiness movement. And I know, I know there's an argument going out there right now, an argument that is saying, well, God didn't call us to be a movement. He called us to be Christian. <laughs> that is the lamest argument I've ever heard in my life. Because God did call us to be a movement. He says to us, come out from among the world and be ye separate. He tells us to lock arms together. He tells us to put our shoulders together and to go forward and fight the good fight of faith. And doing that in any group of people, you naturally become a movement of people. 
He's called us to be a movement. He's called us to be an army. And no, I understand maybe part of the argument is, no, we're not going to bow down to the movement. I bow down to Christ. I'm just telling you, get rid of the technicalities and say, I'm selling out to go with God, and therefore I embrace the conservative holiness way. But we're at a serious crossroads. We're losing our distinctives. We're losing who we are. And young people, I know that you've been told this all along. It's your fault. But I'm here to tell you it's not all your fault. Because I look at this crowd right here, and I see some, I know some, who are serious about serving God. It's not all your fault. Now understand, I'm, I'm not here to be ignorant this, this morning, but, but sometimes it has to do with a generation that's right before you. Right before you, you are watching parents and aunts and uncles begin to question everything that we have always stood for. And here's what's happening, whether we like it or not. We are watching parents and aunts and uncles question the very core of our foundation. And while they will never change, they never will. I found this out. Young people, we'll be led wherever we were. We'll follow wherever we're led. I did. Somebody gave a good argument, and man, it was sincere. I would follow. And so do you. There's nothing wrong with that. And we begin to buy into some of those arguments because the people who are before us are speaking those arguments. It's not all your fault. It's not all their fault. Some of it is your fault. Some of it's my fault. But what I'm trying to say is We need to settle it in our heart that no matter what anybody else says or does, I'm committed to Christ. I'm embracing the holy way. We're told again and again that God doesn't care about things anymore. I mean, you listen to some people's arguments and it's like our forefathers had it all wrong. You know, the people who paved the way for us. Man, they were some of the most radical fanatics that you've ever met. You listen to some conversations and, and, and you, you walk away thinking, man, the people who paved the road for me, they were nothing more than a bunch of legalistic people with their heads stuck in the sand. They were all about emotion. Let's just sing it until we finally get some running and shouting. When we have running and shouting, then it's all good. You listen to it and you walk away saying, man, why are we even part of this movement? They got it all wrong. And unfortunately, there are people who are buying into that. Questioning the very truths that God's Word is clear on. Because the older generation is fueling the fire. You know, the Scripture still says that there's some some distinctions of the sexes. Do you know the Bible still talks about women are not to wear man's apparel, man is not to wear women's apparel? 
Well, technically, 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 they make clothing for women that are made for women, and even though they look like the man, but they're made for women, you know, technically. Let me just remind you, the Scripture is very clear that there is to be a good, clear distinction between the sexes. Gender. Men, we are to be masculine. I'm glad to see this guy down here with a beard. I like that. I'd have one, I think. I might be be looking for another church. I'd have one. Or another wife. Well, no. That came out wrong. That came out wrong. Masculine and feminine. That's what the Bible says. It's about being masculine and feminine. You know what this transgender world is doing? They're, They're solidifying our stand every time they speak. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner. Well, you know, when, when, when Bruce turned himself into a female, what was the first thing he did when he had his first public exp- uh, 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 showing off of who he had become? Guess what he had on? He had on a dress. You want to know why? Because it's a sign of femininity. It's good stuff. It's good. But we have this thing today that God doesn't care about those things anymore. Ah, there's more than that. There's, the Scripture says men were to have our hair short, women are to have it long and leave it be at that. Oh, but how short is short and how long is long? You see what I'm talking about? We can get to the place where we so technically scrutinize everything that we begin to lose our distinctives of who God says we're supposed to be. And you know, I was, you know, we, I was just talking to someone here a while back, probably, uh, probably two years ago. And uh, they, they felt that maybe they should give up jewelry. I thought that was a good thing because the Bible talks about that. Next thing you know, they, they said, well, I've taken it all off. And I looked at them, and they had like five rings on you. Oh, that's not jewelry, because that's my daughter-mother ring. That's my high school ring. That's my friendship ring. And that's my wedding ring. And that's my... See what I'm saying? This is my cross. I just want everybody to know I love Jesus. You know, And what I'm seeing is, folks, if we're not careful, we can find a lot of excuses and a lot of rationale and reasoning. Good, polished arguments. Oh, man, they're polished. That the person who's not set to go with Jesus think, that sounds pretty good. And little by little by little, we're losing our distinction. You see what I mean? The conservative holiness movement. We are at a crossroads, young people. We're at a crossroads. And you, every single one of you, are going to play a vital role. And whether this conservative holiness movement takes the right turn and grows and blossoms and blooms and is victorious, 
or if it takes the wrong turn. Until someone told me just not long ago, in 30 years, we will not have a conservative holiness movement. I know this sounds like it's a lot of pressure, but I want to tell you, a lot of that lays on the shoulders of you sitting right here. Sits right here. Things do matter, young people. Not always the things that I think should matter or the things you think that matter, but the things that are found in God's holy word, those things still matter. And if we're not careful, that doomsday, it sounds pretty dark and doomy, it is dark, this little doomsday thing that we're talking about here, it sounds wild, what a, way, what a downer to close our, our time together. But if we do not make the right choice, here's what's going to happen. And as I was preparing for this, this is the verse that God took my attention to in Ezekiel chapter 22 in verse 30. We'll look at the setting of it in just a moment. But here is what is said. He's talking about Jerusalem. It was being invaded. It was being destroyed. It was losing its ground. And Ezekiel 22, 30 says, God speaking, I looked for someone among you. Someone who could build up the walls again. Someone who could stand for me in those gaps that were there. Someone to defend the land and keep it from being utterly destroyed. I was searching. I was seeking for someone. But here's what God says. But I found no one. Isn't that a sad picture? I'm looking for someone who will stand with me, he says. And as I looked around the whole city of Jerusalem, I found no one. No one. No one. Here's a city that is filled with sin. The sins of the city you can read through the first 12 verses. They were guilty of blood. They were people who abused their powers, oppressed widows and orphans. But verse 8 says one of their main problems was they began to hate what God considered holy. They just didn't buy into it. And they began to, to do those things that they wanted to do. They dishonored the days of worship. Idolatry was huge in their land. Materialism, entertainments, relationships, even religion became an idol. Worshipping what they did rather than who they did it for. Sexual sins, lust, every sexual act inside and outside of marriage that was in whole, they were involved. But here's, what, here's really what it boils down to in verse 12. The sins of the city really are wrapped up when it says, you have forgotten me. Oh, they didn't forget who God was. But they had, they had somehow turned their, what we're going to term Christianity, into a form that they liked. That was more palatable to themselves. What they liked. What they wanted it to be. And they began to think that Christianity was about them and forgot that Christianity was about God. And when we begin to form our Christianity into what we want it, it's no longer about God, it's about us. And we begin to go down a road that's terribly, terribly wrong. 
There is the sins of the city. There's the severe chastisement that's about ready to take place. Verses 13, 14, 15, and 16, he says, I'll use my power against you, says the Lord. And then verse 16 says, I will dishonor you and everyone else will see your weakness, your evil, and I will bring you down from your high place. God was going to turn against them. But just as always, God is merciful and God is faithful. Before he passes his judgment on these people, verse 30 says, I sought for someone. Someone who would stand in the gap. Someone that would help repair the damage done. Stand before me. Defend the faith of the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. For those, uphold the word rightly. Someone who would help defend the great city. Someone today who would help to defend the great message of holiness and heart purity. To guard the gaps. To keep the enemy out while the walls are being rebuilt. Because, young people, the truth is, some of the things that you say are true. We do have some holes in our walls, and we do need to rebuild those walls. But while we work on that, we need people to come alongside and say, I will stand in the gap, and I will defend the faith. But the sad conclusion is, in verse 30, I found no one. No one could be found to fight against the onslaught that was ripping Jerusalem apart. It seems as if not many can be found to stand against the onslaught of worldliness and carelessness that is ripping the holiness message apart. Say, well, that's a discouraging truth. How can we see this change? I'm glad you asked. I'm here to say that I don't believe that God has gotten to the part where He says, I have found no one. Because I believe with all of my heart, I was just thinking as Jeffrey was playing the piano, the young people were singing the songs looking across this crowd and seeing the ones of you that I can see. I was thinking, oh God, if we as a younger generation would just understand your heartbeat and the, and the hurt that came to the heart of God when he said, I found no one. And we would grab a hold of this message as he wants us to grab a hold of it. And we would embrace it and we would sell out for it. Oh, the future is bright. The future's bright today. I don't believe we're near the place where we're about ready to hear. I found no one. But I'm challenging us today. May it not be just one or two. May it be two, three, four hundred of you standing up and saying, I will be that man. I will be that woman. I'll be the one that God can count on. I'll be that one. It can happen. And I believe it's going to happen. Because I believe in you. And I believe in God. You say, how in the world can this happen? Well, glad you asked. Here's how we start. We have to, first of all, get in. I know that's a simple, simple truth. But I'm a simple man. We've got to get in. We can't stand in the gap. For God, if we do not have a true relationship with Jesus Christ to begin with, we can't do it. We can put on all we want to put on. We can do all the Christian things that we do, but if we don't have the relationship with Christ that we ought to have, you're not going to last in the race very long. 
you're not going to do the movement any good. Young people, when you stand up behind these microphones, I don't get to do this often, let me try. This is fun. I tried out for a group or two and never made it for a lot of reasons. <laughs> a lot of reasons. I want to tell you something. When you stand up behind here to minister to people, if all you're doing is trying to put on a show, you're not getting in. You're not going to help the movement go forward. But when you stand behind these microphones, sit on these piano benches, stand behind behind these pulpits, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can minister to the hearts and lives of people who are sitting in the pews that will challenge them to go forward and be what they ought to be rather than to walk out and say, wow, that was a good show. I want to tell you something. It's going to make all the difference in the world. You've got to get in. I'll spell it out for you this way. Get saved and get saved good. You say, well, I, I, there's only one way to get saved. Yeah, there is. Get saved. Get saved good. That means that you get in in such a way that it transforms your life from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. The things that you used to do, you don't do them anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. The movies you used to watch, you don't watch them anymore. The music you used to listen to, you don't listen to that anymore. I know it's not a point to say, woohoo, about, but it's true. You got to get in. I've said just recently at Hope Sound, and I, it's just kind of been a model of mine. Until we get to the place where we're discontent with planting our backside on the dock of Christianity and dangling our feet into the waters of this world, we are not in. We have got to be at a place where we kiss our world that we used to live goodbye. And we embrace the change that Jesus Christ can make in our life. Get in. Don't flirt with the world. Don't flirt with sin. Get in. When you get in, you're on the right path where you can say, as God looks for someone, you're saying, God, you can count on me. You can count on me. Young people, older people, you're never going to be able to resist the devil if you continue to dance with him. Can't. Get in. Be serious and intentional about it. This is a deep outline. Get in. All in. All in. Don't just get in, but say, I'm settling it for life. I have cast my lot with the conservative holiness crowd. Oh, there's that movement thing again. No, I'm casting it with God and in doing so, I'm casting it with you. And I'm settling it right here and right now that I'm in and I'm all in. We are living in a world today where we're committed to the eyeballs. We see commitment to the eyeballs as long as you feel like it. 
How do you like that oxymoron? As long as you feel like it. As long as the praise is good. The thumbs up are there. But Matt Malloyd, next year, if things don't go as well as they go this year, you're going to come back a third year. Why? Because you're committed. Every time it's not a home run. Every time it's not a woohoo. And I want to tell you something. Serving Jesus is the best thing that you can do. But it's not all just rosy. But I'm in. And I'm all in. Because this is what I believe the biblical message is. Being holy, separated, unspotted from this world. Purpose to a life of commitment. Not interested in doing anything else but going God's way. Get in, all in, buy in. You've got to buy into this, folks. Young people, you've got to buy into this. You've got to believe with all of your heart that this is the way. Walk ye in it. Do you have to buy into everything I say? No. That's good because I don't have to buy into everything you say. And that's good. But what I'm talking about, folks, we have to buy in that this way of holiness, the preaching that we've heard at convention this year about, about holy living and, and, and being holy and, and selling out with everything that we have, buying into that, we've got to buy into that, that this is the way. I, 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 I understand that the light problem here, but I, this sounds silly, but you know what? We're not imitating anybody else, but I like it when we come to church and we can just worship the Lord and, 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 and we can just be, be who we're supposed to be and we can raise a hand and mean it and we can hear the shouts and the praises and we can see the glory of God fall up in our midst. Friends, that what has settled it for me in my life. It wasn't the rules that I could or could not do. It wasn't the grouchy people that I came in contact with uh, you have come in contact that said oh this is the way I want to go but it was when we were sitting in services and the presence of God settled down and said this is the way this is the way that said this is the way I'm buying into I don't always believe that we need to drink the Kool-Aid When everybody comes around us and tells us, if you were really holy, you would. If you were really holy, you would. Because there's things that we can disagree on, folks. That's not what I'm, I'm not talking about becoming robots. But I'm talking about buying in to the be ye separate from the world. Touch not the unclean thing. Be unspotted. Be pure. Be holy. Be Christ-like. When you're watching, when you're talking, when you're laughing, when you're doing whatever, be holy. Be holy. Buy into it. We're at a crossroads. And we're not going to see a good result if we don't get in, all in, and we don't buy in. The last thing is this. I want to tell you, encourage you, stay in. Don't be a flash in the pan. I've seen the flash in the pan. And I've seen the one that has all the potential in the world. Man, I've watched him just usher them onto the stage. And man, so early, man, 
we just put the whole movement on their shoulders. Next thing you know, where'd they go? Where'd they go? We don't have to be up to our ears in talent. We don't have to be up to our ears in ability. We don't have to be able to sing the most eloquent song. And God knows you don't have to preach the most put-together message that just wows people. But I want to tell you what you have to do. You have to be a commitment inside of you that says, I'm in, I'm all in, and I'm buying in, and I don't care what anybody else says, I'm staying in. More good can be done. If you're part of an organization, you understand what this is. When you build a team, you can really go places when they buy in and they stay in. And long term, man, great things can happen. When you're always having to train and retrain and train and retrain and retrain because everybody's just revolving through, oh, man, it's a struggle. You want to be a blessing for God. Get in, all in, buy in, stay in. Stay in. I know we heard a, a powerful, encouraging message last night. And I believe, I, I agree with Brother James Plank 100%. I don't think that serving God is, is a difficult and a dr- drudgery and a, and, a, and a hard thing. I understand what he was saying and I, I agree with that 100%. But on the other hand, folks, when we get saved, we're still a human being. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, Brother Nate, sometimes I've asked myself this question, would it not be easier just to give in a little bit rather than to stand and fight another day? Yes, it is. Those times come. But I've purposed in my heart that I'm staying in. I'm staying in. I've cast my lot. This is the way I'm going. God looks around. The trio's coming, getting ready to sing. God looked around, looking for someone who would fill the gaps, defend the city. But he said he found no one. One One of the things that always excited me when I read about history read about the Revolutionary War, and man, war has changed so much since those days. How in the world, man, the Civil War, those people fought shoulder to shoulder, I mean, six feet from each other, walking right at you, they scare you to death, but both sides believed what they believed. But one of the things was, ladies and gentlemen, was usually out there towards the front of the crowd, there was a drummer, and there was one that was carrying the flag. He became a target. Because you know, if, if the soldiers who were fighting couldn't see their flag, you'd get a little discouraged. But man, how brave that first guy must have been to stand and say, I'll take the flag. Knowing he probably wasn't going to get 10 feet into that battle before he's gone. But the thing that struck me was that flag could barely touch the ground until someone else came and picked it up. Said, I'll carry that flag. He would go down and someone else would say, I'll carry that flag. 
because they knew the importance of getting that flag up there high so that the soldiers who were fighting for the cause they believed in could see. And young people, I just want to tell you something. The message of holiness is a flag that I intend to carry. And I hope that you do too. I hope that you do too. Because here's the truth. God's looking. God's looking. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.